What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here once again with my good friend and co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's going on? We just capped off March Madness. I am in a great mood, John. How are you doing? I'm doing super well. We just watched, as Ethan said, the national championship game. It is Sunday night for us, technically Monday, where I am right now on the East Coast. And I couldn't be doing much better. Although the national championship game wasn't particularly competitive, it ended one of the best college basketball seasons of our lifetime. And we can't wait to talk about it with you guys. But real quickly before we dive into what happened in the Final Four and potentially some off-season plans that we may have in the works, Ethan, what's happening over on Twitter? Madness. We reached 1,000. We're going to be sending out the little giveaway that we did now that the March Madness has wrapped up. And, you know, this has been a great year for us on Twitter. Follow us to keep up with all the off-season news because I know we're going to be talking about the portal a lot, especially in today's episode after we recap the championship in the Final Four. Correct. Wow. A lot of shocking entries. It's getting hectic, for sure. But before we get into the portals, Ethan said two things. One, go follow Eddie Terramatis on Twitter. Number two, let's cover the Final Four. So, Final Four first game, FAU for Atlantic Owls versus San Diego State. This is the game of the Final Four that was just ridiculous. Ethan, what happened, not even leading up, not even in the first half. Let's just let's just go to the second half. How big of a lead did FAU have on San Diego State in the second half? I believe it was 14. Could be wrong. It was a 14-point lead, and eventually San Diego State's defense just completely stepped up to the plate and said, you know, we're not going to allow a field goal in the final five minutes, I think it was. And their offense made the shots that they needed to, albeit they didn't make the free throws down the stretch which would have helped a tremendous amount, but San Diego State got it done with perhaps one of the crazier shots that we've seen this entire tournament with Lamont Butler making a shot that he has not made this entire year to win the game as the clocks hit triple zeros. That's the type of shot that I was thinking about while I was watching that where you kind of just sit in your parking lot, not your parking lot, your driveway when you're a kid with the ball and you have the, the little goal posted up right above your house and you take someone out in ISO you just step back jumper in their mouth. Oh my god, that was that's probably one of the coolest moments he's gonna have his entire life. I can say that for sure. Certainly was really fun watching it as San Diego State wins with that shot. The other Final Four game wasn't as cool as UConn blew over Miami. Miami's I wouldn't say Cinderella, but their unexpected run to the Final Four caps with a resounding loss to the eventual national champions, if you guys didn't know already. Uh, spoiler alert. But, Ethan, did anything notable happen in that game, or do you just want to cover the national championship? Well, John, I just want to ask you a question. Who said Miami was going to be in the Final Four? <sighs> was it me? Who Who was it? It was just one other option. Um, I don't want to say it out loud. But I, I'm very happy with that little pick I had. It worked out for my favor. But moving on to the national championship, the San Diego State-UConn game reminds us, or at least me, a lot of the Miami game because up until the end, San Diego State kept making runs and UConn would shut it down with runs of their own. Eventually, 
in the final minutes, UConn just broke it completely open, winning by 17 points, winning their fifth national championship ever with in the past, what is it, 24 years? They've won five national championships under three different head coaches. Absolutely so, insane. I have been a big advocate of this. I believe we did an offseason episode last year where we talked about this, but this claim that I had a while back just made me seem a lot more smart than I am. UConn is a blue blood. They have yeah. far and away the most national championships since 1999. I believe that they're two ahead of everyone else. So this team deserves to be put in the blue blood conversation. It's, it's ridiculous that people can't consider them a blue blood with how successful they've been in the past 25 years, roughly. So I think they need to get the respect they deserve. A phenomenal season for Dan Hurley. I, he called it two years ago, although every Power 6 head coach, when they're hired, says their goal is win a national championship. But I just saw a video right before this recording of you know Dan Hurley saying they were going to win it, and they were going to build the program to do so, and now they're here. So great season for the Huskies. Really fun to watch this March Madison total. Even let me ask you one question. What do you think was the most unexpected thing that happened this entire tournament? Like, out of all the things that happened, what was the most unexpected? The way that Virginia lost. I feel like I could have said Furman would have beaten Virginia, like, 25 out of 100 games. That wasn't the most shocking upset in the world. However, just the way they did it was shocking. Because it was a veteran player that, in the end, let Virginia's hopes fall. But just the way it all ended, the fact that I feel like the way the NCAA landscape now is so even of all years, this would have been the year for no one seeds to make the final four elite eight. This was just overall tremendous on the NCAA's part, albeit screwy, but the outcome of all the BS that we have hated on this entire year has given us a great national championship and great March madness. Would you agree? Oh, I completely agree. In fact, you actually took the words right out of my mouth for a second there. I was going to say the crazy thing that's happened is this is probably the least chalk year in NCAA history. I don't know the math on that. I mean, just purely by the numbers of matchups winning. But, you know, I found it crazy that no one seed made it to the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight, the top eight teams in the tournament, and no one seeds. Like, come on. Like, it's ridiculous. And we also had the second 16 seed to ever win a game. That was pretty cool. I can't wait to mention that because there's so many more things to talk about. This tournament's been great, to be honest with you. So fun to cover. So fun to talk about it with you guys. Just really fun. I can't really stress how much fun we had covering this with you guys, if you couldn't tell already. But that seems to cover March Madness. We're done. It's over. Season 2022-2023 season has concluded. And we're looking on 2023-2024. And where that starts is the offseason leading into it with some moves in the transfer portal, which we have our own opinions about, which we've voiced pretty actively since, you know, true inception into the game. I mean, obviously, the transfer portal itself has been around for, you know, decades, but its full use has been really vamped up in the past five years. The point is, though, is that there's been a lot of transfer portal entries, some of them more notable than others. And... Due to the fact that this is supposed to be a Final Four National Championship episode, we're not going to get too in-depth into it. Our first episode coming back will be a lot more in-depth into it. But Ethan, 
is there anything in particular, maybe one or two headline stories you want to talk about in regards to players entering the transfer portal and how it may affect the programs that they're looking to go to and the programs that they're leaving? So like you said, we're not going to go too much into detail, but the fact that we are not even 10 minutes into the show, a couple topics can be covered very heavily. And starting off, Michigan losing three of their top scorers, two of which to the draft, one of which Hunter Dickinson to the transfer portal. Maryland hired his old high school coach. Them and Georgetown are the top two favorites to get him. Kyle Ware, former five-star, could have been a late first-round draft pick this year, even now if he went into the draft, is looking to play another year in college and become a lottery pick. Cutis Wahab, transferring from Georgetown for the second time in his career. Will Baker, former Nevada standout, transferring. Again? LJ Cryer, Baylor star, transferring. Jalen Cook, Tulane star, transferring. Uh, Fardos Amak, transferring. Max Acemis, transferring. Caleb Mills, transferring. <clears throat> Let me keep going really quickly. Uh, Caleb Love, transferring. Jared Bynum, transferring. Pasha Alexander, Primo Spears, all transferring, as well as a thousand something other players. JJ Starling already transferred to Syracuse, but we'll talk about that in an event in the future, I assume. But as you can tell, there's been a lot of like Ace Baldwin Jr., Caleb Grill, Eddie Lampkin transferring. The amount of star power names that are transferring this year is insane. Like we remember when Kofi did it last year to test the NIL waters and see if he could get a couple extra hundred grand than he would have at Illinois. He didn't get that much more. So he came back, but the amount of five star transfers is insane. You know, we said this at some point when covering the portal last year, and we talked about how the team that really wins the transfer portal this year is going to have a great, great year. Miami certainly did a good job winning the transfer portal. Texas, who made it to the Elite Eight, although they didn't make it to the Final Four, did a great job. For FAU, a ton of transfers on that team. Kansas State, a ton of transfers on that team. The point is that the In team... fairness, FAU only had one starter in their lineup that was a transfer. That's fair. They still had a very high-impact player. Uh, Vladislav came from Tech, Texas Tech. But still, the point is that there's some of these very high-level teams that were built to last in March Madness, second weekend teams, contender teams that were built upon a ton of transfers. And they're relatively, compared to this year, wasn't even that much star power in the transfer portal. Obviously, there's a lot of high-level names. But considering what we have brewing in the transfer portal right now, the team that comes out on top, or the teams that come out on top, are going to have a really, really, really good show of it when it comes to this time next year, because the amount of talent in the transfer portal could single-handedly win a team in after championship with coach right. So we will for certain be covering this in depth, but Ethan, let me ask you this out of any of the guys you just named, and there's a lot of them since you probably rattled off very, I rattled off close <laughs> to 15, probably 15, maybe even more. Out of all those guys, who do you think is going to have the most impact, just in general, considering the program they have left and the program they could potentially go to? So, I I just want to see what happens with Hunter Dickinson. Because he tried to play the villain role, ended up in the NIT. Jameer Young is returning to Maryland. They are the favorite to land him. I 
as much as I don't want to see Hunter Dickinson ever beat Illinois, which Maryland is very good at, I want to see Hunter Dickinson play against Michigan again or for the first time. But you get my point. I want to see that. I want I, I want to see where the heck Max Aismas goes. Because he's put up career averages over 22 points, I believe. Where's he going to go? Because that's going to translate to a high major level. You don't just put up 20 points for three straight seasons and not and show off in March Madness and just not transfer well to high major. What, what do you think happens there? Well, you took the words again right out of my mouth. We didn't even pre-plan necessarily what our talking points were going to be for this segment. But, you know, my thing was be Max Aismas because he's done it over and over again. I mean, last year they didn't make the tournament, unfortunately. Uh, they, I mean, Oral Roberts' original team. But he led Oral Roberts to 15 seed to the Sweet 16 two years two years ago. Didn't make it last year, as to be expected from a one-bid league. You know, sometimes you don't hit the jackpot. And then he led his team to an undefeated uh, conference record, border, almost undefeated season, and put up a decent fight against a Duke team who had a lot of talent and especially a lot of very high-level perimeter defense. So in terms of where he's going to go, to be completely honest with you, I have no idea. But Or Roberts won't be the same next year without him, unfortunately. They were not anywhere close to how good they were this season. But uh, their head coach goes to Wichita State. Do you think he follows him? What I can say, though, Ethan, is that wherever he goes, that team status will dramatically increase. So if he goes to Wichita State, wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they made the tournament next year, even though they didn't do that well in the AAC, who didn't do that well in the tournament either. So you never know, man, particularly honest with you. It's college basketball. But what I do know is that Max Davis can hoop and that wherever he goes will get better. So that's what I have to say about that. In terms of what we have to cover this episode, although it is very important, there wasn't particularly much to cover. So in complete honesty, that's all for me because we don't have that much to go over until next time. Next time will be a rather large episode because of what is going on in the transfer portal, especially because since every D1 coach in the United States was at the Final Four, they haven't been doing much recruiting. But now that that's over, it's go mode for every team in college basketball. Yeah, so the make next... Sure, I was just say real quickly, make sure to stay tuned to all of our social medias to find out what we'll be talking about, whether that's on Twitter, when we'll be uploading next, all that juicy information. Please stay posted. But that's all for me. Ethan, do you have anything else? I was just going to say, next couple weeks, months... It's going to be very portal heavy, and I'm excited to see what coaches we get on in the offseason. That should be very intriguing. As you guys know, last few seasons now, we've been getting some, I would like to say, very high-level guys on. I mean, there's probably a lot you know, more high-level names that have gone on other shows, but you know, for, for two teenagers, I feel like we do pretty well for ourselves over here. So again... That should be coming. That's going to be super exciting when, you know, we can hopefully get to interview some of the top names in the game. So make sure, again, it's very imperative that you follow us. Imperative, sorry, that you follow us on all social media so you can keep up with us. But that sounds like it's all from both of us. And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.